Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, I'll be doing a marketing course and it relates to the topic we're talking about today. And I learned something. Do you want to know what I learned? I'd love to know what you learned. I learned that if you rhyme things together, it makes it easier for people to remember things. So, All killer, no filler? Exactly. So today, you and I are talking a little bit about like edges and moats. Now, there's a lot of things that type that uh, rhyme with moat. Boat, coat, float, elope. There's a heap of different things. You know what else rhymes with moat? I don't. Email list. So if you're listening to this and you want to join the email marketing list, Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, subscribe by putting in your name and email, and we will notify you every single time we drop one of these episodes. Now, Charlie, let's cue your disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. Grant, how long did you work on that intro? So I was standing at the coffee machine in the apartment. I'm like, I refuse to leave this coffee machine until I've got an intro. 30 minutes later... I had one. I'm going to say time well spent. It was one of the better ones. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I feel as though the quality indicates how long I spent on it. <laughs> the audience can tell when you put some effort into it. They can tell when it's made up on the spot and they can tell where you've put some thought in. And that, that one had just all the right characteristics. So I've done one minute. You can just carry the next like 29 minutes for me. <laughs> I actually, you know, time and value are not connected. And you've, you've brought your value. <clears throat> That's a good episode. Ooh, we should talk about that in the future. I had a very interesting conversation about that last week with someone. And uh, in summary, they keep trying to like do more hours to make more money. And I'm like, that's not how it works. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Write it down. Yep. Done. Today, we're talking about developing an edge and a moat. And I've seen some very interesting things in the last week that have sparked this. Before I get into that story, though, I just want to really clarify the terms because I think many people uh, confuse what having an edge is versus having a moat. So while Grant's literally writing out future episode topics, I'll I'll cover that. We're good here. All right. So the way I look at this uh, is let's say you have something in your business which someone else can really do, but they're not. That could be an edge, right? That could be a little advantage you have. So let's say you run an advertising agency and you just work with the finance profession, which by the way, Oh, we do We do actually work with a lot of finance. We don't just work with them, but for the sake of this story, let's roll on with it. Now, uh, if someone was looking, let's say there's someone out there in the finance space and they're looking for an agency, they may hire us over hiring someone else because these guys just work with the finance industry. That's their edge. A little bit of an edge, yes. Great. So an edge is something that, you know, is something where people can say it's an advantage of working with you over another organisation, but here's the catch other people can do it easily. So the other agencies could come out there and say, well, Charlie, you got a great great business doing this. I'm going to do the same. And effectively, there was no uh, what we'll call moat because it was easily copyable. 
right? So edges and advantages can be like first mover advantage, right? You could be the first one in your industry doing something like Dropbox was the first one to do like online storage properly. And then everyone did it. A bit of a sad story, whatever there, but (laughs) it was great for them being in the first mover. But then a moat is when you've got something that's truly defendable. And a great example of that is like Netflix has their content. Like you can't get their content on other platforms. Well, I'll say legally anyway. Um, or if you look at Apple has their software ecosystem, right? So things like that can become a much stronger mode or brand is a really good mode. So sometimes uh, people will get their house designed uh, just by a certain uh, architect because they want their house done by that architect. Right? It's not uh, a price thing. So when someone truly develops a good mode, it's the way I think about it is like can't be copied. Yeah. You see this everywhere. Like I would argue that Mr. Beast is another great one that's got a moat. Like you just can't. People try and rip from him and try and do the exact same thing, but they just can't get the the same moat that he has built. Like there's just so many different types. Oh, do you know what I love the most about Mr. Beast? His chocolate. He literally. Well, his chocolate is pretty good. Actually, there's, <laughs> a, there's a lot of things I like about Mr. Beast now that I think about it. I, I do wonder if he was an entrepreneur turned foodie as well, because he just opened up all these restaurants, right? How could you not love Mr. Beast? Um, anyway, the thing I love the most about Mr. Beast is like his moat, he actually helps other people with. So new, notoriously through his career, he's helped other YouTubers have the success he's had. And here's the kicker. It's only made his moat stronger. Yeah, better. <laughs> but that's, I, I feel as though that's his power. He, he helps everyone else like build a little, little moat, mini moat. He's just got this massive fortress moat. Ah, <laughs> uh, talk, it just. Talk about like, and then you say, well, you know, that's his moat. But just think about all the little edges and advantages he has as well. He's practically got a f- film studio now. Yeah. He's got a facility with like 10 factories for all the different things they're setting up. Think about the access he has. Like it's, so he's got the great combination of edges right, and moat to make him an absolute powerhouse. It's interesting. It's almost like he uses his edges to dig a deeper moat. I wonder if it's intentional is the next thing. Hmm. When we were talking about this, one of the ones that you and I sort of just quickly discussed was Tesla. Now, I, I like this because it's easily relatable to people. So the edge is the innovation around electric cars, right? Like everyone else was going a little bit slower. Elon's like, this is exactly what we're going to do. Edge. Why is it an edge? Because everybody can go and manufacture electric cars. Now it's like, okay, what is the moat that he does on the other side of it, which is the gigafactories, the charging stations, having more charging stations than everybody else. And so he leverages the initial edge knowing that it's a cigar butt at some point that it's not going to be an edge and it's just going to be a commodity. So he uses that to go and build a moat that is deeper and wider than what anyone else can do. And so it's almost like edges are still valuable, but it's like what do you do with that value to build a moat around the business as opposed to just thinking that your edge is it? There's so many around Tesla. I think this is why uh, many people have had a hard time valuing Tesla as a stock as well because they try to treat it like other car companies. Yep. And then they don't recognize that it's like, what about Elon as a brand? Like, is that not a moat? I wouldn't want to compete against that brand. Then you've got the other side of things around all the other car companies have got like legacy um, manufacturing things around combustion engines that, you know, Tesla doesn't have that. That's That's a moat not to have to deal with that. But so actually, that's more an edge because a new electric company wouldn't have that either. So it's copyable. Or Not like easily, though. The old guys rip out the manufacturing plant to replace it. But yeah, it's an edge at the start. And it's like, well, how can I build a moat? It's a great, great question. So th- this actually came, and I want to share the story around this. Uh, something I do pretty regularly is review people's ad accounts. I thought, 
I didn't know you did anything else besides that. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I do it a lot now that I think about it. So, yes, yeah, so you review ad accounts. I actually think it's one of the advantages I bring to Valor Media is like I review so many ad accounts. I've seen in so many ad accounts as well as working on our own. I have such a unique perspective and I've seen so much that it gives all our clients a fantastic advantage. Huge. Uh, well, it actually does, I will say. But uh, notoriously, I'll come into someone's ad account before they come on as a client. One, check they're the right fit for us so we don't uh, take on any clients that aren't in the right fit. But two is because uh, it's actually a great way for me to go in and show potential clients where they can get their wins. Like if I'm going to get your hands on an account, I don't want to just uh, you know have a look at it and go, oh, great fit, come on board. It's like I really want to paint the journey of where this could go so that they can be excited for the work we're going to do with them or potential money we're going to save them in a lot of cases. I find a lot of ad accounts are actually just wasting a lot of their spend. Yeah. Anyway, that's here nor there. But uh, the ad review I did in the last week or so, I had someone coming in and they've been running ads themselves for, I'm going to say, close to three years now doing it themselves. And not a bad media buyer, I will say. But what they're finding is over time is their cost of acquisition is just going up and up and up. And I'm watching this behavior come out of them where they're just trying to use more and more internet marketer tactics to solve that. So they're like making a button that's a different color, making a more flashy title, make it like try like maybe a red border around that, like all the like little tactics to try and get little percent wins. Yeah. So they come into this, uh, ad review that I'm reviewing the account and I get a form and they're like, I'll have a call with them sometimes to understand these things. And like, I'm just hearing this like thing after thing after thing they're trying to do. It's like, you know, I'm split testing because of this. I'm trying to get this ad to work here. I'm doing a red button. I'm trying having a timer on the page. I've got click funnels on this one, which I'm not, um, I actually like click funnels. This is here, not there. I think it's a fantastic software, but it's like thing after thing after thing of internet marketer tactic to try and get an improved result. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I don't think you're solving the right problem. So what do you mean? I'm like, you optimize this account to the nth degree. You you really have. But there's a factor in this that you, you're missing and it's like crushing you. I'm like, you got no motor edge. So what's happened to this person is which, well, I'll say they're in the online coaching space, is that when they first got online, there just weren't that many coaches. Mm-hmm. Just like today there's, uh, you know, in many other fields, and I want to make this relatable to the people that listen to this podcast, is like there wasn't as many agencies, there wasn't as many online stores. Like in general, the internet has become more competitive in the last three years particularly. Definitely. Definitely. Right. So coming back to this one here, when uh, I'm going through this is like three years ago, they were killing it, absolutely killing it. And it's because they didn't have that competition where now because so much more competition is fighting for the same size audience – is they're struggling and they're struggling hard. And, and I just feel like this is the story of what happens to so many businesses is they finally find something that works and they see a bit of success and then they get a bit complacent and stale. They don't put any intention into developing an edge or a moat ideally or a combination of the two even more ideally. And then that's turned into a scenario where over time competition is just taking market share. Now, this person's now in a very dangerous scenario where it's like they're throwing all these little tactics and ideas at this, trying to make this work, but all it's doing is actually making them more and more unprofitable. Yeah, and ultimately, and I, I don't know too many details that sit behind it, but ultimately, like if they just keep tactic chasing, it's just going to be a race down to zero. 
because there's going to be more competition, things are going to get more expensive. And like when you're doing button changes and trying to optimize, like you're optimizing for one, two, three percent changes. Like you're not optimizing for a 50% reduction in acquisition costs. Like, like this is just not going to happen. But- well, think about this differently just for a second. How good do the internet marketing tactics work in the clients we work with who have a moat and an edge? That's, it, yeah, chalk and cheese. It's incomparable. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Because they've nailed that component of it, right? I'm sure if like, and I'll use a, an obvious example, which will be Tony Robbins, because um, I know he does run ads at times. When Tony Robbins runs an ad, he's got an amazing brand mode. All these little like split testing button things or types of pages and funnels, and they crush for him because he's got such a great brand. When the person that doesn't have the functional core of their business right tries to do these things, it's a waste of money in all honesty. What the million visitors to a landing page versus like a thousand is fundamentally different. <laughs> like that, that, that is when you're changing a core component. And so I, I'm curious, like what other edges versus moats are there? So like other edges that like would be quite, quite obvious. One that I see now is obviously AI coming through. So it's like a, it's like a trend jumping i think it's a a great edge so i've jumped on a trend maybe i'm going to help businesses with implementing ai right and i see a lot of these businesses pop up and it's like great like they will have demand and they will be at the front of that trend and business owners are going yep i need this in my business awesome you will build a team you'll build profitability and it will be great however unless you try to build the moat that sits behind that business it's ultimately going to lose its edge over time because the, the trend will dissipate. It will be commoditized. There'll be so many people offering the same thing or it's just not a demand because there's another trend that's come through. Let's use that one as an example. If you're a business of offering AI services today, your margin's probably fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. So this is honestly going back to when I first started doing Facebook ads. I don't even think I was good. I just think I was the only option in Australia. It's one of the first people doing it. <laughs> Truth. Um, anyway, the point being is like over time, what that business is going to experience is margin compression as more people start doing it because you're no longer the only, you start to have to compete, pricing becomes more competitive. Like that's what capitalism does. That's what the market does. Another thing might be if you're an agency owner today or what's a, uh, and you're using AI in your business, you might be able to drive down your uh, costs. Right. I know. I actually know many content businesses out there which are using AI and they're shrinking the amount of labor they need to do to produce a product. They're the only agency doing that initially. They're going to have a better margin. That's going to be an edge for them. But over time, as others evolve into it, that's going to erode. The ones that are going to do well is if you're doing like AI implementation, right, and you specify you're just going to do it again. I don't know why today. We'll just go the finance niche. Well, now you're in a specialized area where it's like you're going to have less competition as the generic stuff comes out there, but maybe you develop your own AI just for this niche. Just like, you know, the kernel, these 11 secret herbs and spices, right? Unique product, proprietary product, something that can't be copied, really focused in a niche. For people in that niche, you're you're going to dominate versus others. And I'll I'll extend on that because – if you were to just hit people in a finance niche where you go and implement a particular AI software that you might have built, having the data from your clients that then goes and re-educates it, builds a deeper moat, and then it's just creating this moat where more users, more data equals something that no one else can recreate. It's like, well, 
everything that we have built on our AI is now based off a million points of data. Good luck finding the other company that has the exact same insights. It's not never going to happen. And that is when the moat gets wider and the moat gets deeper, where if you were to try and come up against anyone else or like someone was to, a potential client was to look at your business versus someone else's business, it's incomparable because it's like, well, you don't have the same as what these people have. And it creates that awesome network effect, just to use that as a, as a key example. Great one. Another one I really love is location. I don't think location gets uh, thought about enough. Now, we operate in a uh, digital sense, so this one doesn't apply as much to us. But if you're a certain type of business that operates in a region that no one else can, whew, do I like that? Yeah. It's a very strong competitive edge. Can I, can I tell the story about the Greek restaurant uh, where I used to live? <laughs> yes, only because I I think they deserve their name to be shouted out. <laughs> I won't. Mean, I won't because, like, he may not want this information out there. But it's like, it's uh, fair point. nonetheless, this guy's really clever. What he's actually done is he. Uh, so this is a small town. I won't even name the town because people can look it up. So it's not a massive town, and it's got a like, what would you call it? Like a village-like shop set up. All right. Now, this particular business owner has been there, and he's a restaurateur, and he's been there for a long time. But the one thing he did is he actually bought the commercial real estate of the street. So he doesn't just own his own restaurant. He owns the whole strip. And on that strip are the other restaurants. So his whole thing is that all his competition on the strip pay him rent. (laughs) (laughs) So it makes it really, really hard. And he can also control what other people lease the premises on the street. (laughs) Ain't no other types of his restaurant. Did you mention the type of restaurant? I think you did. I I did say it was a Greek restaurant. Ain't no other Greek restaurants going in. <laughs> it's like, but uh, McDonald's did the exact same thing to an extent, although they weren't buying streets of commercial real estate. Well, they but, do but, have a unique product. There's a, a bit of a different flavor on it. But for, for this guy in the town, it's like I look at it and go, there's never going to be someone opening up a whole other commercial uh, village to compete in this town. It's like across the road. So I was trying to find it. <laughs> yeah, which I'd probably say he'd buy it. He'd do it. But yeah. he controls the whole ecosystem. Like, and that's a moat. It's a very, very powerful mode. Yeah, because, and interestingly enough, it's like on the surface, people are like the restaurants are trying to compete for foot traffic into their restaurants. So on the surface, people will look at his Greek restaurant and be like, great, like they are offering a, uh, like a supplementary product. They're all the same. I get fed no matter where I go in. And he's sitting behind it all saying, it's just a different game. Like <laughs> I could, it doesn't matter. Like there's enough to go around. I'm going to get a piece of the pie and everything. Uh, and that's similar to like one of Amazon's views, like to go to Amazon, the e-commerce store, uh, when they came out with Amazon web services, uh, Jeff Bezos's objective is to have a percentage of every online transaction that ever happens. And that's where he's trying to go because it's such a huge moat. So whether it's the websites that are hosted on their web services whether it is payment processing, whether it is the e-com platform that they have, whether it's anything, is like every transaction that happens on the internet, will Amazon will get some kind of percent in the future. And that's his objective. I'm like, well, when you've got that level of Which mode, I love, by the way. Totally. What it's like when, ambition. When you've got that level of a mode, it's like, well, how does someone else compete? Like, <laughs> like the infrastructure you've had to build to go and create that is incomparable. And that's where it can get really so quite smart on how people actually implement these types of moats inside their business. Well, this is the big insight I would say. When you look at the great businesses you admire, right? Whether it, and take stock of your own list, you don't have to necessarily reference the ones we have here. 
Isn't it interesting when you look at the intention behind how important moat and edge is to them versus the average small business owner you come across today? Like it's a very different dichotomy of like, you know, Jeff Bezos goes to this aspirational place of like, I want to literally a clip on every transaction on the internet. So big goal, I'll give him that. But like, even if you look at like, how hard is it to compete with him when he owns the postal service? Yeah. Like (laughs) his delivery mechanism is so good. Try and compete against that. Like what a moat and a brand and reliability and all the things that he even built his profile on, just amazing. And Apple and like all these really good ones there. And then you go to the average business owner and it's like they're not playing that game at all. And then the thing I would ask is like are they not playing that game because like, you know, is it chicken or egg here? Like did Amazon only become what it is because they focus so much on edge and moat from the beginning? Versus the average business owner today is just trying to make the just trying to you know pay the bills and make a bit of profit. They're not thinking about this conversation at all. Yeah, one's playing edge and mode, the other one's playing P and L, like profit or loss. And it's the challenge when you play profit and loss is margin compression. I've seen this way too many times. I've never seen a business that doesn't innovate to create more edges or and turn edges into moats that has never faced margin compression. Like margin compression being profit margin just reduces because it costs so much more to deliver or it costs so much more to acquire a customer. It's like you always have to reinvent and recreate to find the next edge and build out your moat. I concur. I think about what we did with Valamedia, right? So, Are you going to give away our secret, like our 11 secret herbs and spices? uh, Maybe a little bit. (sighs) Maybe. All right, Colonel, give it to me. Well, when you came to me earlier this year and said, let's do the ad agency, which, which I admit was like heavy knee-jerk reaction of like my PTSD of my first advertising agency and just like, no, never again, never again. <laughs> Convulsions on the ground. <laughs> Charlie, you, you there? Yeah, but it was, it was very hard to argue against the evidence you presented from Tailwind, right? Yeah. You can look at it and go, there's a huge Tailwind here. I'm like, that might be a little bit of an edge, but arguably there's so many agencies out there these days. To- totally. Totally. So even though there's more demand, there's certainly more supply out there as well that could meet that quite easily. And I look at the margins uh, a lot of advertising agencies go on and they're not good. Like it wouldn't be a business that I would necessarily want to own. And the the way we got around that and the way we thought about this here is like if we were going to truly develop something that other people couldn't copy in a very, very easy way, right, we had to think a little bit deeper. So I'll, I'll go through some of the edges, which I've prepped a few here, and then I want to talk about some of the moats as well. Like I think one of the edges we've got in this environment is we had all these video editors from the media company that we were able to bring over and train them in advertising. So we already had, you know, I think it was like 10 video editors roughly. That moved straight over. Yeah. That moved straight over, and it's like we became very video uh, dominant in a time we could see that the advertising platforms wanted video. How many video – I mean, sorry, how many agencies have 10 video editors on staff from day one? that have to full recruit, train, educate an entire team. There we go. So there's a bit of an edge for us. It's not a moat. They could easily hire other video editors, but it was a huge advantage that I don't think enough agencies are leaning into video in the level we do. Entirely. We could see video win. The, the other big advantage is like a lot of agencies were good at maybe one platform. Right? Maybe they're good at Facebook ads where just due to, uh, again, in, in our experiences, right, and this is where our prior experience can be a bit of an edge, I got heavy, heavy experience in Google ads and Facebook ads and TikTok ads where a lot of play, uh, agencies couldn't compete with that out of the gate. Totally. So a reason why someone may go to us is we're strong in video, 
We can do more than one platform. So we've got these edges kind of forming here. We don't we don't have any location uh, advantages, right? Like, I mean, we're online. Eh, may, maybe a little bit of Melbourne, but I'll, I'll leave that here or there. But I look at that and go a bit of an edge. But where the moat component comes into it is that we've developed very unique ad formats that people can't get elsewhere. So, and honestly, that's a reason why we get such great results, which then enable us to show the results we get from our unique formats, which kind of have us winning. Let me give you an idea. Flywheel. <laughs> if you opened a restaurant and uh, people are like, damn, have you tried this? Right. They, and like, it's a very unique thing that they can only get that experience here. So I, I like to think we were very intentful about that and we were, but that's a moat. Now, people try and copy our ads and funnels all the time, but it's like trying to copy. KFC or, Mc, or McDonald's, right? It's like, it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> you still go to the same KFC. But it was very intentional. Yeah. I find that that deeper moat, it's almost like a great, a great way to see if you have created a moat is almost like, does it get deeper over time? Right. So our secret herbs and spices, our ad recipe evolves, gets deeper it, as we test things, as we learn things, it gets it gets further away from other people to try and create the same thing. It's almost like the second that we go stagnant and stale and don't continue pushing, as that's when people might even come closer to us. And so it's like <laughs> he's sitting there shaking his head. It's not going to happen. But it's almost like that's the sanity check. Like if you're sitting there looking at, okay, well, do I have an edge versus a moat? It's like, well, your moat should be getting wider and deeper where your edge will typically get eaten away. So our edge, to your point, our edge with video editors will get eaten away. Like everyone else can go get video editors. Our edge of hitting a tailwind, okay, well, that will get eaten away. But our moat of your point of like the ad secret recipes, it's like that will get deeper and wider. We will have more. We will create more and there will always be a deeper and wider moat. Like it's never going to get eaten away at just because we'll continue to create. How important do you think it is to focus on this today? The amount of businesses that I see that are having challenges because they do not focus on it makes it a number one priority for existing businesses. And I I look at it this way. To go back to the Tesla example, if you look at a lot of the other car manufacturers where they were looking at what Tesla was doing as a, great, it's an innovation, it might work, it might not work, and then they recognize that, oh, wait, everybody wants that, maybe then we'll get in on it. Your competitors in an existing business have already done that. They've seen you be around for enough years to go, wait a minute, this actually might work. Let's go and do that. Which means that if your business has been around for a couple of years and not trying to stay on top of it, you are already seeing the compression in margins, which is an indication that you are not focusing on this enough. Is that the science? That is it. Like It is the number one sign. If your acquisition costs are going up, and your profitability is going down, not just as a direct relation to acquisition costs going up because maybe delivery is more expensive or you've tried to put more things to deliver to add some kind of value. Yeah, there's like natural inflation, right? Like ad costs do go up over time. Like acquisition costs should go up over time. Although eh, arguable if you're good at what you do. But this is the thing, right? Like, But how many of our clients have we seen that have come out with something different, whether it's a different campaign, whether it's a different product, and then they've decreased? Right, and so it's like, well, if you're building your moat and continually trying to find another edge to widen your moat and deepen your moat, I'm like, you will never have those significant compression moments because you're always innovating. It's like they get more referrals as well. Yeah. Because, you mean, having a product or service that people want to consume as well, big, big advantage. 
so I think it was, it was one of the one of these conversations that I had. It was probably about a year ago, which was I think you and I were the ones that had it around the the paranoia of a business owner. It's almost like if you're paranoid that your edge is going to disappear, it will force you to go and take actions to build a moat <laughs> to make sure that they don't disappear. And so it's like if you've lost that paranoia where you just go, our product is perfect, our sales and marketing is really good, I'm going to ride this. Yeah, you're already painting the end game of where the business is. It's like you don't have the paranoia to actually go, yep, I know the edge is going to disappear. I need to. I would actually argue to that point. That's a really good one. I shouldn't argue. I should say add on. If you're experiencing high churn, that potentially is another signal that you haven't got an edge or mode. That's a valid point because everyone else is stealing because they've got a better Easy to shop around, right? Totally. That was me in the SEO business. I found that everybody started comparing our services to what pe- what other people overseas were offering. Like, and this is not against any race. It was like the number one thing that we kept coming up with were like Philippines and Indian based SEO agencies that were just doing cold emails. And they're just like, so what do you provide that they don't? And I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. And then it was just a commodity. And then the perception of the market was as a commodity. And I'm like, now I'm not building an edge because I was first mover advantage. And I didn't build the edge into the business and I did not build a moat to prove the value that I had. Even though I sat there and I'm like, we're a better service. We're actually going to get better results. You're actually going to go backwards if you yeah, But they can them. say that. Yeah, I can say <laughs> that as much as I want. But I'm like, outside of them showing where they're voting with their dollars, I'm like, I can say that until I'm black and blue. And then I can get all like real upset and be like an OG of the industry and be like, Charlie, they don't know. They don't understand <laughs> with like a small agency of me just trying to be right or I can try and be rich and just go, you know what, I'm going to try and do something different or I'm going to try and create an edge or a moat. I just think I'm so glad we're talking about this today because it's the intentionality. Yeah. To your point, um, what you just described is exactly what uh, took down the outsourcing company I was or when I was doing it. We had a fantastic margin in the beginning. You know, we were one of the first to be doing VAs in Australia from the Philippines. It was brilliant. But over time, as more competition came into it, that compression is there. I was delusional. I must admit, if I look back on that time, I just thought the times would stay the same. Mm. I'd fooled myself into thinking that, oh, I, my edge is no one else is doing this, but that changes over time. It's almost like it was easier for me in SEO just to not look at how many other SEO companies it's, had opened up over a couple of years <laughs> because I just wanted to be like the ostrich with the head in the sand. I was like, I don't, if I don't lift my head, it's not a problem. <laughs> but when you have clients leaving, like it's like obviously there's more competition and they're offering something that you don't, know, whether it's cheaper, better, uh, suspected better quality, some kind of innovation, et cetera. Like they're always somewhere with an edge. It is. And I hope this brings this conversation to the front for many people that maybe haven't considered it. Like edge and moat, part of the game. Like Mr. Beast is what he is today because of edge and moat. He wasn't just good at making videos. And I like the, differ- the differentiation around like edge is a – I won't call it a flash in the pan, but it's like a point in time. You can have an edge for six months or a couple of years, but it's the moat that creates it for a lifetime. Still, let's wrap it up. Bangers. All right. If anyone's listening to this and you hear the words moat, boat, gloat, float, cloak, elope, remember, newsletter. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and we will notify you every single time we drop one of these episodes. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hold up, hold up, hold up. 
I'm just going to drop in an extra one here. If you don't want to sign up for the newsletter and you want to head over to valormedia.com <laughs> and get an ad review done by me, you could do that too. You don't even have to be on the newsletter. You can just come and let me do an ad review. I'll do a very in-depth analysis and then bitch about you on the podcast inconspicuously like I have done today. Is this a competition, my newsletter versus your ad reviews? <laughs> this is how right. Come over to the newsletter. This is going to be good. No, yeah, I mean, about Disney. <laughs> Actually, I do write the newsletter. So, <laughs> Catch you on the next episode.